Welcome to Clue Done It, the podcast where we make wild guesses about fake TV crimes and discover real facts about the amazing people who brought the shows to life. I'm Jessica, IMDb Maven, and the person who reads everything in a theater program. And I'm Jacob, writer, producer, and senior lead detective, Logic Cop Investigations. Whoop, whoop. Each week, we watch a show and try to immediately guess who done it, without any clues, context, or apparently accuracy. Then we spoil everything. We not only tell you who did it, but also who made it. All right, let's find out. Who was right. Who was wrong. And who is dead. This week, we are watching... What are we watching, Jacob? We're watching Monk. We are watching Monk! Tony Shalhoub. Yes! And a cast of thousands. Yes. Not really. I mean, there's a thousand germs per episode. That's what we learned. But oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Very true. Very true. Uh, did you know that in Germany, the um, commercial sponsor for the show is a tissue company? <laughs> no, I did not. They enjoy the fact that they are a tissue company and that they sponsor Monk. Apparently, right. it was... A big inside joke. Except it's not inside. More tissues. More tissues. More yes. tissues. Everyone's just like, <laughs> and, and who's having the last laugh now, huh? Mm-hmm. I'll mm-hmm. tell you. In case in case you don't know what Monk is, Monk was an incredibly successful, um, yeah. incredibly successful show on basic cable, but was getting ratings like it would have been on a major network and even won a couple awards. The show was originally um, going to be produced by ABC. And they had another actor in mind for the role. And then when he backed out and the showrunners cast Tony, Tony Shalhoub, ABC was like, yo, we don't, we don't want it. Actually, <laughs> after their, it wasn't Tony Shalhoub that they didn't want. It's that they wanted the other actor. And when the other actor backed out, they didn't want the property anymore. So they went to USA. And like there you're you saying. Became um, this huge hit. Became this huge hit. Yeah. So if you don't know the show. Um, after the unsolved murder of his wife, Trudy, Trudy, by the way, in, um, flashbacks is played by two different actresses. Oh. The second actress who plays in the flashbacks is Melora Hardin, who stars in The Office. Well, she doesn't star in The Office, but she's in The Office as Michael Scott's girlfriend, or first girlfriend. Oh my God, really? His boss That's who turned Jan girlfriend. is. Okay. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Okay. So after the unsolved murder of his wife, Trudy, Adrian Monk develops obsessive compulsive disorder, which includes his terror of germs and contamination. So... Pandemic trigger warning, people. All over this one. Yeah. Does he develop it? or did, Now, did he have OCD before his wife died and that just like triggered it into even greater things? Or did the, well, did this the suggests death just... that the death triggered it. Okay. Um, his condition costs him his job as a prominent homicide detective in the San Francisco Police Department, but he continues to solve crimes with the help of his assistant and his former boss. Um, I just have to say. Yes. That Please say. That prominent... Homicide detective. Sure. Prominent homicide detective. So last night we were getting back into the show and so we were watching a couple of episodes. Not the one that we're watching tonight, of course, but... We're not cheaters. No, no. And there was this chess player, this world famous chess player. His wife, the wife of the chess player, comes to Adrian Monk and says, I want you to solve my murder because my husband says he's going to murder me and he's going to. I know it's going to happen. So here's a check. Solve my murder. 
and you know basically like avenge me and they're like it's not gonna happen we'll we'll figure it's not gonna happen we'll we'll, we'll protect we'll you. protect you whatever but it happens she gets murdered so this chess player world famous chess player because he's a chess player and he knows everybody's moves he knows that his wife is going to go to adrian monk and all the moves that adrian monk is going to do and i am like who in, who in the in a city knows their prominent homicide detectives <laughs> like is that something that we should know as well should, should, as like our state representatives and our u.s senators and things right who, who are the prominent homicide detectives who should i go to if i think jessica is going to murder me yeah hmm. that that is pretty hilarious is like that, the, the gossip columns of what what all the hot actors are doing and then right next to the gossip column with like what all the hot homicide detectives are doing yeah i wonder I should ask my grandma about this. Like, if she, if you know, if they read the San Francisco papers and the and this society was a thing, papers, yes, yeah. If it said, and if you all, like, you probably, maybe you did know the sheriff. Everybody knows the sheriff and the head of police, right? Can you imagine? I'm imagining now, like, that each new police class has like a debutante ball, and it's just like now presenting Mr. James Smith, <laughs> Private First Class. Accompanying him on his first dance will be his father. (laughs) (laughs) Big things are expected from him. He's wearing Versace for the force tonight. Look at the beating on those white gloves. I think that would be hilarious. Oh, but that's actually a John Veritas shirt underneath there. Oh, very nice. Beautiful combination. Very slick, but also very saucy. Yes. (laughs) So yeah, okay. Okay, maybe there are society pages for the police. I I guess we should look this up at some point. But I, so I do know that this show had uh, eight Emmys and many other awards. Right. But including for Randy Newman's title theme song, which is pretty awesome. It is pretty spot on. It's a jungle out there. I love it. It's, I know you're not a huge fan. I, that is exactly it. I'm just not a fan of Randy Newman. I just don't Your get his appeal. Your friends who love Randy Newman are... I know. They're like, spinning right now. They're yeah. like spitting mad. Go ahead, at me. I don't care. And there are people who really like Randy Newman, and he just kind of like slides right by me. I, I think it's a great song. This, it's, it's really fun. People seem to dig it. That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. So this is, um, according to IMDb, you know how we talk about categorization and bingo? Yes, please. Okay, what so is the get bi- out your card. Are you ready? Hit me. It is a comedy crime drama. Feels so like you, there should be more comedy crime I drama. Agree. I, I like, but I mean, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I also love the fact where it's just like, it's a comedy, and it's a drama. Like, <laughs> you know, I mean, there's don't... Emmys in the comedy category. There's Emmys in the drama category. Which one are you going to put it in? It's in both. Yeah, I guess and it's that's, crime. I just don't really see it even as a drama. Do you see it as like a? I can, it's I, not a drama D. It's more like a camarama. Camarama. It's a camarama. <laughs> yeah. It's a karma. <laughs> yes. We've just that's a new term we've just invented for something that's mainly a comedy, but with little bits think of drama. It's a drama at all, though. I think this is this is. I mean, these are the fault lines of TV right now. Like this is where, like, especially with streamers and everything changing, and it doesn't. I mean, it literally used to be like if you were half hour, you were comedy. Period. If you were an hour, you were a drama. Period. So it premiered in uh, 2002, July 12th, 2002. 125 episodes and eight seasons on USA. We are watching on Amazon Prime. We are watching season seven, episode three. And every episode says Mr. Monk does blah, 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 blah. Right. Or Sure, yeah, something. Mr. Monk does. So this is Mr. Monk gets lotto fever. Oh. Yeah. 
And the logline is, Adrian finds himself short on an assistant when Natalie is hired to replace the local lotto girl after she's murdered. Murder. And this episode aired in August of 2008. Okay. So we want to watch? Let's do it. Let's get in there. We'll be back. This might just be the quickest recap we've ever done for an opening sequence. Yeah. They get right to it and there is not a lot to happen here. It's true. It's true. So here we go. Time me. I'm going in for the record. Uh, The show starts with the lotto girl announcing the numbers and she's perky and happy and upbeat and oh my gosh, she just couldn't be more on cloud nine to give you these numbers. Smash cut to her racing from the lotto building it's night. She's racing from the building. Someone is chasing her. She splashes in a mud puddle. She's running in high heels in her dress, and she's screaming, somebody help me, somebody help me. Nobody comes to help her. The, some guy is chasing her. He chases her to her car. She gets into the car. She thinks she's made it. He smashes the window of the car. She leaves. She climbs a fence. Like, yeah. I, like the, what happened to like like emergency exit bars? And things, but no, she climbs a fence to get away from him. It doesn't matter. Somehow he got there first. He finds her, he stabs her, and like the way the camera moves, you don't actually see her die or being stabbed. Then there's actually the title sequence. That is it. That is the teaser. Boom, right there, title sequence. But we saw a murder, but we didn't have a body, folks. So we're, you know, we're massaging a little bit here, but there wasn't a body. There was a murder, title sequence. Then we come back into the examination. Monk is looking at the body. Monk thinks that the, first they say she was stabbed six times, and then Monk was like, no, it looks like she was only stabbed three times with something with two blades, like a pair of scissors. And if she was, if there was a crime of passion and the guy came at her, she would have seen the mud right outside the mud puddle right outside the building and not stepped in it. Since she stepped in it, that meant she was being chased from someone inside the building. That's what we know. There you go. Oh, and there's some kind of paint underneath her fingernails, I think, yeah. is what they said. So there you go. That's what we've got. I'm not sure how fast that was, but it felt pretty darn fast. It did. So we that is what we have to go on. All right. You went first last time, so I think I should go first this time here. Okay. Go so for it. somebody with scissors, I bet first, first obviously, is the copy, the copy repair dude. Oh, this just disgusted sure. of people like leaving their staples in copies because you know how like you oh, you put something on the, the feeder to go through and like the staples in it then it gets jammed and it just ruins the whole thing mm-hmm. so i think she was copying clippings of herself reading the mm. news stories about how attractive she was and how much everybody loves the lotto girl and he just got sick of it and just finally just ran at her one day and she was like this is it i've, I've had enough this is what that is so we have the copier person on that uh-huh. somebody who she was using to fix there was the fix was kind of in maybe she oh. was i mean obviously i think that's where we're going on this one somewhere there have been like there have been people who have tried to fix the ping pong ball lottery system wow and really yes and i'm wondering i'm wondering if that's what they're going to do on this but clear mm. i i guess what so the big question for me on this is do we think that her murder had anything to do with winning the lottery like do we think that somebody was trying to rig the lottery and she was either helping them or hindering them or had a change of heart or something. I would think that it would almost have to do with the lotto. I mean, otherwise, mm-hmm. why not just set it in some other other office politicky drama thing on this? So I think yeah. the, the lotto has to be involved in it, I think, somehow. 
who else? Well, maybe she like maybe she nudged somebody out of the out of the position, and they're coming like they're like if she was cutthroat to get this position, maybe that lady's boyfriend is coming after her. But that seems like a stretch, and not really about the lottery. Mm-hmm. I think the most obvious thing is that somebody is trying to obviously somebody is trying to game the lottery because. Who wouldn't want a nice and easy $15 million, right? Hmm. So somebody is trying to game the lottery, and I think I think she had too much integrity. But I think somehow she knew that people were cheating at the lottery, and then she was going to expose them somehow. So now I just have to figure out who that might be. And I am. I'm going to go... I'm going to go with, I think, the person who maintains the pinball machines, either painting the numbers on the pinball, on the pinball, not ping pong balls. You mean the ping pong balls, balls yeah. machine. So we did see a ping pong ball machine? Yes. It was, there was definitely like... And did the ball come through a chute? I don't think we saw how it actually worked, but I do think okay. I saw the fact that there were like balls. It was like one of those ping pong ball things kind okay. of happening. I don't think we actually saw how it happened. I think it's the person behind the, the ping pong ball machine, and they were figuring out how to rig it. Um... Yeah, that's what I'm. That's what I'm gonna stick with. Heard what have you got? So they said scissors really fast. Yes, and I that didn't really look like scissors. I mean, they were long incisions. Like if you took two, you'd have to have the you'd have to have a, a hand on each thing. Oh yeah yeah uh, yeah. Each because they were so far apart circle. that it wasn't like you wouldn't be. Yeah, and grasping, maybe they yeah. were just trying to be theatrical about it, but uh-huh. I just don't understand. Like, those stab wounds would be, like, points, not long. They were, like, two inches long on each, you know, they were paired. They were definitely paired. So, I, I mean, I know that they, I know know this is a 45-minute show. I don't believe them. You think there's going to be another weapon's going to come out. Interesting. And I, that's why I asked if there was a shoot. Because I am going to go with ping pong machine the murder weapon is actually the shoot. Oh, like the little, and, like the rails that the ping pong yeah, ball the rails. go on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's why they had sort of a, you know, they were kind of long they and were long, parallel. They were also parallel and very evenly spaced. Rail. Yeah, like if, like, yeah, because if someone was really trying to stab somebody, like one, you're not going to get two hands because you're trying to hold the person down. So you're not going to get two hands. So let's say you like knocked her out and then stabbed her which I don't know why you would do it that way. But let's say, so point being, you don't need two hands. Even if you don't need like two hands to one hand to hold her down, even if you have two hands on the scissors, like keeping them so even all the time would be hard. You're going to be moving it around yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you would really, if you were trying to stab, you would just hold the scissors in one hand. Yeah. And then you would just have one point. Right. And it would just look like a dagger of weirdly, I mean, the the insertion point would, I think. Right. This is me. <laughs> with absolutely no you know, it's true. training. It's true. She has not actually completed that night course for forensic science. Yeah, for, for exactly, for forensic science. She is working. She's getting better with the I don't even have an associate. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I think that is the murder weapon. Now, who had it? I did also notice that her dress is blue and white and it was like this chiffon yeah. Greek kind of look to it mm, and then mm-hmm, she had mm-hmm. silver shoes. So she did kind of look like like a a Greek goddess or like a and I don't know and she had her hair curled and it was to one side. I mean, 
granted, all from this era or whatever, like it's kind of a leftover from Vanna White. You know, maybe yes, all yes, women whole, uh, kind sure. of had this sort of goddess look. Maybe that was just the look that was really in that year for are fancy you really, dresses. Are you really referencing the Vanna White television special Aphrodite or Venus? I forget which one it was. Oh, wait, what? <laughs> so Vanna White, at the peak of her fame in the late 80s, would have been the late 80s, did a TV special where she was the goddess of love. And they, no. they, they literally called it Aphrodite or Venus. I forget what, what? it was. Yeah, you keep going on your theory. I'll look this up. Oh my goodness. Okay, so I got to figure out who did it though. And we we haven't met anybody. We've just seen right. we her haven't, we being haven't, we... run after by one person. And I actually thought there were two people who were running after you her. You know, okay, now I can absolutely see that there are two people because the guy crashed into her car and she ran away from him and then she ran to the fence the gate in the fence and she started climbing the fence and i would have thought that the person following her was literally following her and would have had to have come over the fence as well but as soon as she got over the fence there was somebody else right there yeah to intercept her yeah so you're right like there's very possibly two people in this yeah but they were all wearing black mm-hmm. and, and they hats did and, and at least coverings. oh they were wearing hats and face coverings as well i think the, the, the guy who the guy who like smashed her car, car. window was definitely and wearing he, a hat or he or they um not only smashed the window but it seems like they bodily got into the car. Oh yeah, and like, like full, re- like stuck full on, he- went through the passenger the side, yeah. and then like were trying to reach for her, and then so that would have taken them for sure a little bit of time to like pull their body out of the the window to grab her, or, you know, to pull the pull pull their body out of the window mm-hmm. of a car that's like they've shattered the. Which, by the way, they shattered the glass on the passenger side window. Like, you've got to have something in your hands that has force. So maybe not the ping pong ball tray, but something else. I mean, more than scissors. Hmm. Uh, I don't know. Glass, hmm. you hit it with a point. I can see that it would shatter. I mean, that's the yeah. whole thing. Like, you just get it down I mean, it's supposed point. to shatter, but it's very strong. It is it? it is strong, but it, it, it it's very weak if you hit it with a very, like tiny point on it that's why those little ball peen hammers can just shatter things like oh, that okay yeah. again so I, guess, I have also not received I, my I car mechanics degree in yeah, the evening either you. from night school so who knows that's a little modern jackass reporting there for you jake mccogley modern jackass not automotive edition yeah automotive edition <laughs> crime fighter forensics <laughs> edition <laughs> uh yeah so i i think there were more than one person there's more mm-hmm. than one person on this job and she was running for her life she definitely thought she was going to get murdered or something and she was help me help me help me and their car we think that there's probably going to be some more clues in the car absolutely some some kind of switcheroo is going to come from the the car some kind of i mean the body was thrown he the person threw themselves into the car so they have to have left behind some sort of threads or Blood or for that or matter, some threads or, or blood. I don't know. This is not this is not CSI, so I don't know they're going to do any DNA mapping on this. No. But but they could look at somebody and be like, you must have had scratches on your face or your hands if you went through the car window on that. Yeah. So that might happen. Yeah. So that could be possible. But I, we have no clues like that. I have no clue. So I'm that's, just going to say. The, that's the point of the show. No and, clues. And they said scissors, right? They definitely were. They so definitely thought it was scissors. who is the person that has scissors in a studio or a theater? Mm-hmm. The costumer. Oh. 
So I am going to say that the costumer was out to get her. The costumer was out to get her because she just wasn't wearing the dresses right? Yeah. Or didn't let her fit them properly. Mm, Or she gained weight. Oh, yeah. She gained weight and that costumer was like, I've had it. I've had it with these actresses and their Twix bars. Yes. Yeah. Like where, you know... This is a very important, this is a very important demanding job. I took your measurements five years ago. You're the Lido girl. You are not allowed to eat. You must maintain that figure forever. (laughs) Right. That's what you meant. Got it. Uh, I don't know if it's that. I I bet it does have something to do with the money though. Like maybe because they were intimate because like they were not like sex intimate, but like because, you know, when you're measuring somebody, you're putting dresses on them and fitting them to them. Maybe... Um, they thought, uh, that they deserve some sort of information, mm, like mm-hmm. some of the yeah, numbers. They, they got some presumed closeness that wasn't actually there and they yeah. felt that like they could, yeah. And that maybe they were supposed to get their retirement out of this. Oh, yeah. And that's, and then maybe, you know, those, a lot of those things are like clothing sponsored by Pierre Cardellis or I don't, I'm making it Pierre names. Cardellis <laughs> Pierre. oh my god that is the name of our production company Perry Ellis Pierre Cardellis <laughs> Pierre Carden hello this is Perry Ellis and his French cousin Pierre Cardellis <laughs> <laughs> Ralph so. Lauren and his Italian cousin Raphael Lorenzo <laughs> going to turn into a fashion episode <laughs> is what's happening. It already has. We're making it a fashion episode. It's a fashion episode. So yeah, so I think the customer is upset that they got her into all these fancy dresses and didn't give any clues as promised because, you know, they were doing their part to keep her happy and make her look good. So she should, you know, give him a number. Or give them some clues give them, give them about some clues tomorrow's numbers. numbers or the next numbers. And the scissors, they were it was so kind of crime of passion. I don't think that this is actually true, though, because there were three people and it was clearly a plan because they had outfits and they were ready to go after her. So there was clearly something else. But I, I couldn't tell you even what that is. So but, I'm just uh, saying but, the but, costumer. No, I think, I think you're on to something, though, Heard. I don't know that I'm going to change my guess, but I think you're on to something because... From the log line that you said, the second half of this is that what's what's Monk's assistant's name? Natalie. Natalie. Natalie is going to become the new Lotto girl. So Natalie is going to be put into danger on this. So I think that somebody behind the scenes, somebody behind the scenes is clearly going to kind of like yes. nudge Natalie and like you know what I mean? Like she's like she's gonna be put in danger and she's gonna have to be saved from this. Oh, interesting. So And like, she's gonna be played. Yeah. Well, but she doesn't I don't know that she's Natalie gonna be play- always has everybody else's number, yeah. I think. I don't know that she's going to be played, but I do think that they're going to try to kind of like... They're going to make her a plant. Yeah, they're going to make her... Undercover. Well, they're going to make her a plant, but I think the bad people are going to try and maneuver around her, manipulate her into doing the thing they want or come after her when she won't. So, which is why like your idea that it's the costumer, I think is valid because it has to be somebody who would then interact with her, whether that's like the director of the spot or the cameraman or the costumer. Hmm... So no, I so I'm still gonna stick. I am still gonna stick with that. Somehow this is a ping pong ball. The the ping pong ball mechanic or somebody involved with setting up the machine. I'm st- I'm gonna stick with that. But I like your costumer thing. I think that has some legs to it. Okay. So all right. 
All right. Are we locking in those guesses? Yes. All right. So you're saying ping pong ball machine. Ping pong ball machine manipulator. Whether that's and you the, still think the whip weapon is. I'm gonna a stick with scissors. scissors. I, 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 yeah. I'm I'm gonna stick with scissors, and say it's the customer. Customer. Yeah. Because I think that's I think that's a great I think that's a great leap right there. I'm I'm frankly a little jealous. Jessica Heard going for two in a row. <laughs> we'll find out. All right. This is good news. This is good news. We have a streak. Oh, we have a wow. Streak. We, we have, do. We have two wins in a row. You. No, no, no. I mean, you got the win last week with, well, oh my gosh, what was last week? Was last, last week was not Haven, was it? No, last week was Frankie Drake. You got the win last week with Frankie Drake. And I got the win this week with the monk. Woo. Woo. Yay us. Does this mean we're getting better at guessing? Oh, no. <laughs> I hope not. I like wild-ass guesses. I mean, I like, it, I like it better when they're right, but it's still. <laughs> Yay, us! Yay! So, yes, I guess I didn't come up with a specific crew title, but I did say somebody was behind it. Somebody was rigging the machine. I even said they were painting it, and she was going to expose them. And, ladies and gentlemen, that is exactly what it was. It wasn't the guy who was in charge. He, he wa- In the same way that all TV shows are like, the same person does the lighting and the sound and apparently makes the ping pong ball machine work for the lotto. So the stagehand yeah. was behind it all. We're always behind there it all. There was a magnet on the bottom of the boom mic that right. was covered up by the foam on the, or whatever right. you call but, it, the yeah, foam no, the windscreen, cover, the, foam the windscreen, windscreen yeah. foam cover on the, the boom mic. And it was right over the machine which the ping pong balls were painted with metallic with paint. metallic paint and so and they, that was the paint underneath her fingernails yes, they found at the beginning because one had dropped out of the machine as she was walking through the studio on her way out and then she picked it up and realized well and which they which went after her to one of the best best unintentionally funny shots in the show so like she the model leans over and picks up the ball with the metallic this paint is in on a it. flashback in a flashback when Monk is explaining everything. Yeah. The model leans over, picks it up, looks up, and Billy, the stagehand, pops up from behind. So he's painted metallic paint on these so that the magnet picks them up. He's rigging the ping pong, the lotto ping pong ball machine. But he pops up from behind the ping pong ball machine with this huge pair of scissors in his hand. Yeah, gigantic. Gigantic scissors. What is what does he possibly need the scissors for? Yeah. Right. It still doesn't explain it still that. Makes zero it was sense a whatsoever. So red it's just like herring. Okay. Yeah. Sure. They were huge. Like I don't even think I've seen pinking shears that big. Because usually those are pretty big. But yeah. No. Th- the, these were gigantic. These were gigantic. They were. If you if you test your memory, if you remember the movie Dead Again, with Emma Thompson and Kenneth Branagh from the oh, golly, is that the eighties even? Might oh. be the eighties. In any event, oh. there was a great big huge pair of scissors in that biggest oh. scissors since Dead Again. Yeah. Somewhere out there, there was one person laughing hilariously because they're big scissors in Dead Again. <laughs> All right, though. All right. Let us uh, let me give you the recap and tell us how we got the win. Do it. I feel like I feel somehow I feel like I want to give I don't know why I feel like I want to give a great big Beyonce dance number to this 
to this summary. I, I, I guess the win is just reverberating in me, and oh, I just want to dance it out. I just want to, I just want to dance it out. Oh, okay. But I won't. I won't because it would be lost on you because this is a podcast. So when last we left our intrepid crew, they were examining the dead body of the former Lotto girl, now murder victim one. Um, and some rookie cop was asking Monk for his autograph, and he was feeling very pleased with himself, and he made Natalie bend over so that he could sign the autograph on Natalie's back. While the Monk is doing that, the sidekicky disher is like, I need to come up with a zinger. I need to come up with a really good line, something like your number's up or something like that. That's, the, that's what I'm going to do. Everybody loves a good line. And he's about to say it to the coroner when the coroner comes up to get the body, and the rookie cop steals his line, and disher gets upset with it, and it's the running joke throughout the whole thing. He just tries, keeps trying to squeeze this joke joke in there throughout the whole episode it's a it's a it's a nice little run yeah well and it morphs so don't forget that right well i already have but it it does morph it's a great little runner it kind of builds and changes throughout the whole thing but well okay so it morphs because he's like obsessed about like i gotta have a good line right and he has this whole monologue about that so when they're investigating her body the station manager comes up to Natalie. Natalie and says, here's the list of people who worked here. Who yeah. worked here. And by the way, you have a lot of great energy and presence. Have you ever been on film? Have you ever been on screen? In the, on the screen? She's like, oh, oh, no. And he's like, well, you should try it. You know, I am out a lotto girl now because she's dead over there. Why don't you be my lotto girl? Just do it once, yeah. And there's some kerfuffle because Monk, Monk does not matter. want this to happen and especially doesn't want her stealing his thunder. We find out. But the thing is, when she goes on and she is the lotto girl, she has to come up with all this patter because there's no script. And so she comes up with little phrases with every, or little associations with every number that she pulls out. 33, so nice. They named it twice. (laughs) Yeah, that kind of thing. 52, cards in a deck kind of thing. And then she has to figure out how what's her sign-off going to be. And if she says, you'll thank me later. and Which is Monk's sign-off. Which off is line. Monk's sign-off. Right. And so he's upset about his line being stolen. And he complains to Disher and to the captain. And Disher is like, yeah. Yeah. Doesn't feel good, does, does it? Does it? <laughs> <laughs> it's a fun little callback. There's a lot of fun little callbacks and fun little runners throughout this whole show. Yes. So. Well, the reason why I bring it up. Yes, please. Is because Captain uh, Leland Stottlemyre, yes, who Captain is Leland. played by Tim Levine. Am I saying that correct? Ted Levine. Among the things that he has done yes. on his resume, which are extensive and quite wide-ranging. He was in a movie in 1998 with Ellen Bernstein and Mary McDonnell and a number of other people. Anyway, the movie is called You Can Thank Me Later. <laughs> speaking speaking of movies that come out of nowhere, the Vanna White movie that we were oh, talking yes, about, yes, there yes. Is a, the Vanna White movie is in fact called The Goddess of Love and it reads like a mashup between like Pygmalion and Mannequin. On bachelor party. At a bachelor party, the bridegroom puts a ring on the finger of a statue of Venus, Vanna White, who comes to life. Oh my gosh! TV. That is crazy! TV. It's the gift that keeps on giving. So that was a TV It was a t- TV It was a made-for-TV movie? movie, yeah. Oh my gosh. 
But back back to this show. This show back Monk. to this show, Monk. So yes, so she does. Natalie gets gets hired as the, the stage manager comes out, hires her to be the Lotto girl. Monk is a little uh, jealous, upset about this, but she does it and she loves it. She meets the crew when she's doing it. There's a customer who's putting makeup on her, and then we never really hear from her again. Yeah, but really I, the, more of a makeup person. More of a makeup person, yes, you're right. More of a makeup person. But again, in the same role that, like, on TV, like, the same guy does lighting and sound and ping pong balls. Like, the yes. same lady who's doing the makeup is also doing costumes. Always and forever. But when that, when that fir- in that first scene, when the makeup artist and the customer and the sound guy were all around Natalie, I was like, oh, maybe they, they will introduce the customer. Yeah. They didn't. No, there was they nothing didn't. there. So I was out pretty fast. Pretty quick. But in any event, but the Natalie goes on. She has a great time with it. She loves it. People love her, except for Monk. Monk is not happy about it. Um, but the station manager loves it. The f- phones are going crazy. She's got a lot of fans. They offer her the job full time. And this is what I mean by the show is just kind of cozy. There's not a lot of quick cutting. There's not a lot of snapping back and forth. Like the show, like Monk feels bad about this and it's clear that he feels bad about this and that he's like a little jealous of all the attention that she's getting and they just linger on him and this moment at the station that he like he kind of goes to the set and looks around and feels bad be be like longer than you think they should hold it they just hold space for all of that in a way that like if the show was moving fast they Mm. wouldn't just kind of sit in that moment anyway so yes monk is a little upset at the fact that she's having so much a great time of it but she is loving it the next scene the very next scene they're walking down the street and there is her face on the side of a bus she's becoming a little bit famous she's a little obsessed by the job they get stopped by people on the street and the opposite like in the previous scene where monk like made her bend over so that he could write his autograph on her back she does this to him which again making him feel as if he's being ignored and he's jealous of all the jealous of all the attention that she's getting meanwhile though the reason they're on the street is they're walking to a suspect's house it is mr odaya dea i forget the gentleman's name in any event he is a lottery expert. He's a conspiracy theorist about the lottery. He does number theory and math theory, and he's a huge fan of the show. His whole apartment is like blue post-it notes and photographs that he's taken from a distance. And old lottery tickets and taped together old, hanging yeah. from the ceiling. Hanging from the ceiling, from every wall. Every wall space is covered. The set decorator either loved this set yes. or hated it with a passion. He's like, are you kidding me? I have to do all of this? Screw you guys. <laughs> yeah. I, I but he had fun. They had fun. I think so too. They had fun with it. Some PAs had a lot of fun. Yes, but he has a theory and prediction for numbers, but it doesn't work. Doesn't doesn't mean anything. He still doesn't win, and he's quickly ruled out as a suspect. That night at the Lotto show, Natalie does a great job. She's wearing this red dress number because now she's a bit of a diva, so she's got this red dress. And she does it and she walks off stage and she wants to talk to everybody. She wants to talk to the station manager. And then she wants to talk to Billy. Billy is the crew member who's also in charge of sound because she has ideas about how it should go. And maybe they should be spending more time with her and her stories. And people are like, no, that's not really how it goes. They're here for the numbers, not just you. But she thinks it's all about her. She nearly trips over some wires and she yells at Billy, and because she yells at Billy, the station manager goes berserk and has Billy fired and es- immediately escorted out of the studio, security badge taken away, and banned from ever coming back. Natalie feels a little bad about this, but she doesn't stop it from happening. She kind of tries to stop it from happening, she just does. so you know she she's tries. a good person, but she's still it still happens, and she's still a little self-obsessed with it. 
Monk complains in therapy that he's feeling a little jealous about the whole thing, but he's told maybe he should like accept it a little bit more, but he can't. The next scene, what you see is Billy, the guy who just got fired, goes to visit Malcolm, our numbers-obsessed, our lottery-obsessed numbers man, and hits him with a bat and kills him. Well, he makes it look as if he's jumped from a window because the next scene is Monk and the, the captain at Malcolm's apartment looking down at the fact that he looks like it's, he's, he looks like it's a suicide, but Monk is like, this couldn't be suicide. Who puts in one contact lens because he finds one contact lens? Who only puts in, who puts in one contact lens before they jump from a building? So he suspects foul play. Meanwhile, though, he needs a wipe because he touched contact lens fluid and Natalie isn't there to give him a wipe because she's outside signing autographs. They have a big blow up in front of all of her fans and Monk's like, well, you know what? I'm just going to have to ask you to choose between the lotto and me. And so she quits. She quits Monk and says, I'm going to be full-time lotto girl now. And Monk is a little like, oh my gosh, I did not expect that. Monk is super upset about this, and the next scene, the captain is at the gym, and he's got a nice, I love, he's wearing a nice little, one of those elastic sweatbands around his head, and he's about to go play yeah. handball or squash or something like that. Anyways. At the he, Potrero Men's Club. Potrero Men's Club, yes. <laughs> Very nice. Um, is it the men's club? It wasn't the men's club. It was like the gym club or something Maybe, like that. I don't, yeah. think, I don't think they said men's club. I think that's probably a little too close to stripper for this show. Oh, okay. But in any event, he's there and he's telling Monk, Monk, you're welcome to come hang out with us at the station tonight. We're working late because we've got so much to do on this case. I'm just at the gym right now, so I'll be back and we can talk about it then. So he leaves. When we know throughout the whole episode, he's been talking about how he plays the lottery all the time. 20 bucks a pop, loses money the entire time. Billy... The same sound guy goes to the captain's gym locker and swaps out a lotto ticket. I thought at first it was because he was taking a winning ticket from the captain and the captain was going to be, this is what it was. But no, he was giving the captain the the winning ticket. So that night, as the captain is, as, as Monk is over there talking to the captain, they're watching the lotto show and the captain wins and goes crazy happy with the fact that he is now a multimillionaire because it was like a $212 million Mm -hmm. pot. Yeah. Um, and they show him the next day. Oh, the, another thing, when back when Billy was at Malcolm's, he knocks Malcolm over the head with a bat, but then he takes a picture off the wall because, of course, Malcolm knows exactly who Billy is because he's just like, I love you, but there weren't any pictures of you on the website, so I had to take a picture of you. And the picture that Billy, Billy takes the picture of him off Malcolm's wall, and there's a picture of him with this guy that with we've never another seen guy before. With another guy who is bald and has a very distinct Very distinct beard. beard. So the next day, the captain goes to pick up a check, and the guy from the picture with Billy is there also picking up the check, which Monk sees when Natalie comes over, because Natalie is now in disgrace, because yes, the captain won last night, but this morning, the commission is accusing her and the captain of cheating, and she may go to jail because they were friends and the captain had the winning ticket. So... Monk goes to check out the rig. He figures out that the paint is metallic, that there was a magnet in the microphone. The microphone is positioned just over the ping pong ball machine. So the magnet in there was pulling the ping pong balls up and Billy was behind it all. They go and they arrest Billy at what is meant to be like this Las Vegas pool or something like that. And there you go. The world is back to normal. Natalie is no longer... Uh, no longer the lotto girl, no longer more famous than Monk. They're both happy being second fiddles to each other. And the day is won. 
unfortunately, the captain is still not rich. No. But I am not rich in wins. <laughs> you are. <laughs> I have two wins. Oh. Two out of ten. I am oh. I am at the Mendoza line. I'm at the Mendoza line. Oh, what? The Mendoza line is a 200 batting average in baseball, <laughs> which is like supposed to be like if you go below the Mendoza line, you're a really bad hitter. So I'm at the Mendoza oh. line. Uh, well, it's okay. It's not really baseball anyway. So you're fine. <laughs> All right. But there you go. Uh, I'm going to take the point. I'm going to okay. take the point on this one. And I, I don't, I'm not hearing any. Nope, nope, not hearing any objections from the cat crew, so we're good to go. <laughs> Which means, Jessica, <laughs> it's time for the IMDb's. What have we, you've teased us a little bit with some uh, Broadway song and dance. I'm guessing that's there's going to be some more of it. Tell yes. us all about it. So, well, first of all, Tony Shalhoub. Tony Shalhoub. Broadway, Broadway star. Oh. Yes. And he got his Broadway debut, not in a musical, but in the female odd couple with Rita Moreno and Sally Struthers in 1985. And then he had a Tony nomination for Conversations with My Father. And then most recently, he starred in the musical stage adaptation of the film The Band's Visit. He won a Tony Award in 2018 for the best actor in a musical. Oh, fantastic. His big breakout role was, of course, Wings. Oh, yeah. The TV show. Of course. He was also in Galaxy Quest, also in Big Night, which was Oh, that huge. was huge. That was Every, huge for him, yeah. That was like, that was everybody's like passion everybody, movie. Everybody they like movie. lived yes. by that film. And then Men in Black. That was like a whole new generation was in love with him through Men in Black. He was one of the aliens mm-hmm, that kept mm-hmm. uh, reoffending. And he was uh, in Pixar's Cars, which people would recognize his voice. Obviously not his Right, not his because face. Because he was playing yeah. Luigi. He is born in Wisconsin. He went to grad school at Yale School of Drama and worked at Yale. ART. And he is in this. And of course, right now, because this show is over, Monk is over, he is in The Marvelous Miss Maisel oh, that's right. playing the dad. He is playing the dad in that. that. He's so good in that. Oh, he is. He is. He married an actress, Brooke Adams, in 1992, and they've been together. Um, oh, he, he met her on the set of The Heidi Chronicles, also on Broadway. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So, then, so somebody got some love out of The Heidi Chronicles, even if Heidi didn't. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's sad. I'm sorry. That's so true. <laughs> he, okay, so then the other musical Broadway person in this was the station manager played no way by, yes played by Gregory Jabara if that's how you pronounce his name J-B-A-R-A they uh, really set him up to be the heavy in this episode they did they, they I were, really they were, thought they were really leaning happen. on that yeah. yeah he is from Detroit went to University of Michigan school School of Music and the Musical Theater Program to complete his BFA in acting at the Juilliard School. Wait, he completed it at Juilliard? He completed it at wow. Juilliard, but he started, started at, at, UM. Mich- at Yeah. He has a Tony Award, an Outer Circle Award, a Drama Desk Award for Featured Actor, Best Featured Actor in a Musical, originating the role of Jackie Elliott in the Broadway production of Billy Elliott. And he also starred on Broadway as Billy Flynn in the Tony Award-winning revival of Chicago. 
Oh, neat. Oh, he would totally make a good Billy yes. Flynn in that. Yeah, no, he absolutely... I, like, heard it when he he said something, and I was like, oh, my God, that is him. Of course <laughs> it's him. Yeah, he... Fantastic guy. So the two of them could really... Uh, Let's get the all singing, all dancing yeah, monk. Yeah, they could sing for you. I wonder if they ever did do a musical episode. That would be so weird. That would be very weird, yes. Uh, yeah. He originated the role of Andre Thibault in the Broadway musical comedy, also of Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, starring John Lithgow and Norbert Leo Butts, and Sherry Renee Scott, Joanna Gleason, and Sarah Gifflinger. So just to shout out some other folks in that. He... This is is rapidly turning into an all-Broadway episode. Yeah. Oh, he also... Other Broadway musical roles originated by him... Squash Bernstein in Victor Victoria, starring starring Julie Andrews. Wow. And that of the dim-witted catcher Solovic in The Damn Yankees. Oh, he's, Star, he's, The Revival, starring B.B. Newworth, Victor Garber, and Jerry Lewis. Jerry Lewis was in that revival? I did not realize that either. Oh, well, I remember Baby Newworth in that. I don't remember Jerry Lewis. Wow. I mean, he just has on like, and on Broadway and on. credits galore. I mean, he is, of course, also a very long TV sure, resume, but I just thought that was a lot of fun. His Broadway career is amazeballs. Okay, fun tidbit. <laughs> Which Jessica lives for. I am so excited about this. <laughs> so the sound guy named Billy Logan. Yes. Did you recognize him? He No, he had like kind of a familiar face, but no, I didn't recognize him. That is because his name is Greg Pitts. He came out to L.A., and went to the Groundlings, and then got the attention of a bunch of people, and was cast in the office space, where he played the smug co-worker, Drew, who talks about the O-Face guy. Oh, he's the O-Face guy? Oh my god! Oh my god, he's so famous as the O-Face guy, and I distinctly remember, like, a couple of years sitting on the couch being like, what happened to that guy? What's he up to? Oh, he was in, I mean, he was, he's in he, like he a million little Monk, things, yeah. but he had one episode of Monk and we saw it and there he was. And I was so like, yay, you got some more TV and you got to hold these crazy gigantic scissors and like look like a killer. I I will say like, they have a lot of fun on this show. The, the people who play the murderers who get to be like the murderer mm-hmm. of the week, like Brad Garrett looked like he was having a ball oh my God. Brad in that Garrett episode was... that we Brad watched Ga- last The night. Brad Garrett episode, he plays a, a handyman, a, a house renovator kind of thing. He spends a lot of time tearing down walls in Mr. Monk's house. Because he's looking, looking for, for the money. Pay, looking for some money yeah. that was stolen many years ago. So yeah, he's tearing down the scenery, but he's also chewing the scenery. Oh, he is totally chewing the scenery. That's fantastic. He was and you know let's talk about this for a second this show in later years was recorded at the renmar studios on coenga okay in hollywood and then and that's seasons two through five however the first season episodes two through 13 which Take place. The show takes place in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Filmed in Toronto, Canada. <laughs> Canada. The San Francisco PD station exteriors are the tip-top lofts in Toronto, Canada. <laughs> <laughs> and then eventually, it just—if you're looking, if you're in San Francisco, Adrian Monk's apartment exteriors are nine 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 Broadway on Knob Hill. But back to this episode. What yes. else? Who else was in this episode? 
Also in this episode, I don't know if I have said this before, but I have been binging Grey's Anatomy also. I did not watch it the first time around, so I'm watching it for the first time. Thank you, pandemic. I'm in season five right now. No, I think you're in season six Oh, you're right. I just started season six today. And in season, I don't remember which one, Callie, who is the surgeon that deals a lot with broken bones. Uh I can't remember what the term is for that. But her dad appears in a couple of episodes because she has a trust fund and he's been supporting her all these years and she comes out as a lesbian she comes out as a lesbian to him and then he like wants her to move home and quit her job and she's like no i no i'm an adult no and then he's like well then i i'm disowning you and i'm taking all your money away and so good luck living you know without that because nobody in the family is ever going to speak to you again and that it is the guy who is playing the doctor now in season seven of monk oh the psychologist yeah the psychologist sorry so his name is hector elizondo he is replacing sadly he is replacing stanley camel who played dr charles kroger seasons one through six for Monk mm-hmm. in the spring of 2000, or no. At, the spring of that year, whatever year it spring was. Spring of that spring. year. Unfortunately, Camel died he had, of a heart attack in oh, his wow. Hollywood home. And so that spring, they had to recast his role, and Mr. Hector Elizondo got the role. And to be he, clear, because there's been a lot of roles where people like the two actresses played Monk's oh, yeah. life, Trudy. Like they, they, the, this they, is a new doctor. This is a new doctor. And there so was a Monk whole episode is having about Monk trying to, to find get, a new doctor. Finding yeah. a new doctor and then trying to get used to this new doctor. Hector Elizondo was in Pretty Woman, with, directed by Gary Marshall. He starred with Dan Aykroyd and Michelle Pfeiffer in the PBS Tales from the Hollywood Hills. He was also a dancer. He was a weightlifter. A he, weightlifter? He was scouted by the New York Giants and the Pittsburgh Pirates to play. He's a very physically talented person. Okay. He was also a Congo player and a <laughs> classical guitarist and singer. Yeah. He, he's a, he'd and be, a bodybuilder. He'd be a good guy for a party. Yeah. That he'd, guy would have some stories. He'd have some stories. He'd do, be able to do, play some guitar, do some entertaining. And if anybody got out of hand, he'd be able to muscle them around. Yeah, for sure. Well, I don't want to not mention Trailer Howard, who plays Natalie. Before she was on Monk, she was on Two Guys, a Girl, and a Pizza oh Place. Oh my God, that's who she is. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Now her. I recognize her. Yes. She was also on Boston Commons. Yeah. She she was very much that. There was a few years in there where there she was like the next like pixie sitcom star kind of thing. Yeah. Right yeah. Yeah. And she made her TV debut in Lois and Clark. Oh, okay. Yeah, she's the one lady in this whole cast it's of dudes. It's true. It's a kind of so a sausage So many party. dudes. It really is. But she is great and a delight to watch. All right. In this episode, we cannot forget the person that we love the most in this episode. <laughs> okay, yes. Is Malcolm Barrett, who plays Malcolm oh. O'Dwyer. Oh, yes. Malcolm who, Barrett. Yes, please. He, so in this episode, he plays the fan of Lotto. So he writes the Lotto review, and he's unfortunately the second body he gets yes, murdered. he gets murdered. He gets hit with the bat Billy and the thrown Sun. out a window. Yeah. 
So he is most famous right now for the show Timeless, where he plays one of the doctors, right? Who goes back into scientists who goes back in time. time, And that was a great show. But you and I love him for Better Off Ted. One of the most criminally underrated shows of all time. So freaking good. And he is freaking hilarious in it. He is one half of a nerdy science duo who come up with just the most hilarious products and he's he's just so good he is such a fun vital bubbly he is effervescent yeah he is effervescent and always just he's quick-witted and also at the same time completely naive about what's going on but also completely energetic and oh my gosh he is i Yeah. Every time I see him, I am delighted. Yeah. Yeah. He's fantastic. And so, yeah, we gasped when we We saw him. I I literally paused. (laughs) I I literally paused and was like, what is that? Is that the guy? Yes. So, in uh, Better Off Teddy plays Lem Hewitt. He was paired with Jonathan Jonathan Slavin, who plays Phil, (laughs) the other scientist. Yes. And uh, that show also stars Gold, uh, Portia de Rossi, and Jay Harrington. And during the pandemic, they did a reunion. They reading, did a reunion which reading. we watched. Yes. We absolutely did. We paid for those tickets. Yeah, we paid for that. That was great. He's an African-American actor. So he also talked about on that show, I think how it was important like to him to be playing a, a person of color as a scientist. Yes. yes. And just love seeing him again in this. It was so great. Yeah, he is hilarious. And I just would more watch him More work for him, please. Yes, more work for him, please. Indeed. He was in the movie Dear White People, and he was in O.J. the Musical. (laughs) Those aren't uh, all of his highlights, but just a few. And um, definitely go back and watch. Check out Better Off Ted. Better Off Ted. So much fun. So good. And Timeless is a a fun sci-fi piece. It was a romp. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that was another victorious week. I got a win. I'm back in the lead, Jess. You Wow, it feels good. It feels good to get a couple wins in a row. I am sure that the next one will kick our butt and we'll go back to like guessing completely wrong. But for now, now I'm <laughs> I'm just gonna revel in it. We got some champagne in the fridge. I think we're gonna I think we're gonna attack it tonight. Yay! I think that's what we'll do. And I hope you have a great week. And uh, we'll see you next time. See you next time. Hey everybody! Thanks for listening. We really appreciate it. And now we want to hear from you. Tell us your guesses, your scores, your insider info, your favorite logic cop catches, and your suggestions for what shows we should watch next. Follow us and join the fun on Twitter at ClueDunnit or on Instagram at ClueDunnit Podcast. Rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts to help get the word out. Because watching TV is always better with friends. If you are curious. The numbers that were in this episode. Right, yeah, the winning, the winning numbers. If you would like to play them as well. <laughs> the numbers are 35, 4, 7, 53, 23, 44. And then also 25, 52, 7, 32, 10, 17. It's- and then the, the numbers that break the whole murder apart right or are they they reveal everything they reveal everything the numbers were 25 62 12 15 33 and 54 well that's just that's just that's just saucy right there my goodness listen to those saucy numbers 54 oh my word